If you're an entrepreneur, you know what it means to take personal and financial risks, create jobs that support your community, and devote most of your time to your business. But do you know how to plan for a successful exit from your business? Do you know who should be involved in creating your succession or transition plan and the steps along the way? Welcome to Finish Big, the podcast with Mark Dorman from Legacy Business Advisors. The podcast theme is inspired by critically acclaimed business author, Bo Burlingham, author of Finish Big, how great entrepreneurs exit their companies on top. In this podcast, you'll hear success stories of exit plans done right and pick up practical tips based on years of legacy business advisors' expertise and knowledge about the largest and most important financial transaction of your life. Now, on to the show. Hello and good day. This is Mark Dorman, your host of the Finish Big podcast. Finish Big is based on the uh, critically acclaimed book uh, by Bo Burlingham called Finish Big, which we really seek to work with business owners successfully preparing, transitioning, and exiting from their business, talking about things like who should be involved on their team, some of the issues they may be facing, what they might have done differently. And I'm really delighted today to be joined by Craig Coors. Craig is uh, from the uh, the Northeast Ohio marketplace. He's a, a founding partner of Velocity Capital Partners, or VCP. Uh, prior to VCP, Craig spent over 14 years operating and leading his family business, TMG Performance Products, a performance automotive aftermarket company with brands such as Corso Performance and Volant Performance. In his role there, Craig focused on developing and leading a long-term growth strategy and the daily operations of the business, including building a management team that the organization could successfully grow and manage the business. This ultimately led to a successful exit from TMG Performance Products in June of 2022, and henceforth the creation of Velocity Capital Partners. Currently, Craig is the CEO of the recent VCP acquisition, We Are The Ripple, which we will talk about. We Are The Ripple is a mission-driven brand of reusable water bottles, partnering with local organizations to provide clean water access to schools and villages in African regions where water is not available. With his business partner of 16 years, Ryan Mifsud, they are attempting to build for-profit brands that can create sustainable, charitable giving opportunities. Ripple currently sells personalized water bottles to small business, corporations, universities, and consumers at www.wearetheripple.com to support this cause. Craig Coors received his BS in marketing from the University of Dayton, where he remains active as a member of the Business Advisory Council. He earned also his MBA from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater in 2004. Craig is blessed to share this journey with his wife of 21 years, Shelly, and their children, Ella and Gavin. One's a senior and one is a freshman at Walsh Jesuit High School in Northeast Ohio. And Craig and Shelley are active members of the Walsh community, spending countless hours enjoying the passions of their children on the soccer field, theater stages, as well as participating in numerous leadership roles. Craig Kors, welcome to Finish Big, the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate it. That was, uh, uh, that was a little rundown uh, memory lane for me there. So thank you. <laughs> 
Uh, well, my pleasure. Uh, I know you're a busy uh, younger guy, a little bit younger than I am, but uh, one uh, a young man that I've always had my eye on. And uh, I'm interested to hear your story, and I really appreciate your willingness to share uh, not only your story, but the story of Velocity Capital Partners and uh, the, your prior stay at the, uh, the family business. So let's just uh, dig right in. So you, you went to the University of Dayton. Did you stay in the ghetto in there? Isn't that the, uh, the, the main place to, to stay at, at UD? It is. It, uh, I like to. I think that Disney's wrong and Dayton's the happiest place on earth. Um, but uh, yeah, we lived there. I'm not sure we're allowed to call it that anymore. I think it is now officially the student's neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that uh, that is where I met my wife. I, uh, and that is where we had uh, a ton of fun. Um, it's a place that I have nieces attending now and uh, a daughter who's seriously considering it. So I'm looking forward to parents weekends should that uh, come about for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you graduated from UD. Uh, I believe your uh, wife's family, is that the Mifsud family? Yeah, the Mifsud, uh, the Mifsud uh, family. So we, uh, they had uh, started up our family business was the, the Mifsud group, um, uh, which in a unique way, our family business was acquiring uh, and operating a business uh, over a long period of time uh, with the intention of eventually exiting that business. And so that's really where where the the TMG performance products came in. Uh, I think it's important to note that uh, both Ryan, uh, who is my brother-in-law, which is hence the the family business, uh, this and I, before we joined uh, the Mifsud Group and decided to go down this path, both of us went out and worked for other large companies on our own. Um, mm-hmm. I I was in consumer products. I worked for what is now Macy's as a cosmetics buyer of all things. I, thought uh, I, had, I had you kind of peg, pegged for a, a cosmetic buyer. Yeah, it was a pretty tough coming right out of college and saying, oh, I'm, I, I know more about makeup than any of my buddies. Um, <laughs> so I, I spent about two years in Washington, D.C. doing that and then uh, moved to uh, Toledo, Ohio, to work for Calfon Cookware and Newell Rubbermaid. Uh, so, again, sort of really focused on consumer brands, consumer products. Uh, spent about, oh, I guess it was seven or eight years. Uh, at very different positions from an operational standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, product development standpoint, uh, really through brand management uh, at New Rubbermaid. We spent a lot of time learning and making a lot of mistakes, frankly, on someone else's dime uh, mm-hmm. until we got to the point that we felt comfortable enough that we could afford our own mistakes. And that's really when we got back into um, joining uh, Ryan's dad, Oscar, uh, and and really trying to execute on a growth strategy for the Mifsa Group of owning and operating companies uh, with the intent of eventually selling them. Yeah. So when you uh, when you joined the family uh, family office, uh, which is essentially a little mini private equity type business, would that be accurate? Good yeah. Way of uh, it? We. You know, that's exactly the best way to describe it. Uh, we didn't have outside investors. Uh, and so it was, you know, we're really looking at those small opportunities. Um, generally, we would find something that where there was an owner operator, probably a founder who had built something to a point and then either needed some help or was looking for an exit. Uh, but probably something that hadn't been built big enough that uh, the larger private equity and or call it real private equity would really get into because it took and most everything we did took us running the business. Um, we 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 really had to build things from the ground up, um, roll up our sleeves and jump in. And and those were the opportunities that we'd find. Excellent. So uh, walk us through at, 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 at its height. Mifsud had how many operating companies were you involved with? 
Um, the most we really ever had at any one time were two. Um, we had three different businesses, uh, three different exits throughout uh, its period, um, all of varied levels of success, not all of them incredibly successful. Uh, definitely learned some things along the way, but uh, in the end, uh, combined, it was a really successful way for us to create some value and really create a lot of good teams along the way that helped us be successful. Yeah, great. And were you the least bit? Uh, nervous about working with your father-in-law or your brother-in-law? I'm sure you guys had a lot of heart-to-heart conversations. How did the kind of the org chart decision-making, how did that work there? Yeah, I think it uh, it evolved over time. Uh, when we first started, you know, I think we definitely, uh, there was, you know, the father-in-law was was in charge early on, uh, rightfully so. I, uh, I had like no, not nearly enough of experience to make some of the decisions we needed to make. So it was great. Um, and then that, formal role, leadership role, really became much more of that mentoring role that you wanted. Um, wasn't always perfect. Uh, lots of unique challenges when you are in a closely held family business. Lots of personalities, lots of emotions, um, lots of maybe competing timelines or thought processes. But at the end, as we were able to evolve and and develop the skill set necessary to lead and operate a business, uh, oversight changed, the leadership role changed, and more importantly, the organization started to see uh, that we were operating the business. And you know, as, as that evolved, we all evolved into the correct roles as the business leaders that we needed to be. Um, but yeah, to your point, were there times that it was tougher than when we worked for somebody else? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot more personal. Um, a lot of Thanksgivings turned into conversations about efficiency metrics and a lot of Christmases <laughs> uh, were, were sales order driven. Um, but uh, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't go back and change anything. So the uh, the shining star of the portfolio companies that the Midsut Group was involved in turned out to be TMG Performance Products. Tell us about that acquisition, the history kind of where you started with that and, and, and the exit. Walk us through that chain of events, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Um, you know, that was, it was a distressed business when we found it. Uh, but I think most importantly, uh, we were looking for nothing like what it ended up being. And I think that's how all acquisition strategies go. Uh, we were looking for maybe a, a business that was more focused in aerospace or highly engineered products or an area that definitely wasn't the automotive aftermarket. But at the end of the day, when an opportunity is put in front of you, you evaluate it. Uh, and we decided that it had some really strong assets to it. And those assets weren't necessarily the equipment. It wasn't necessarily hard assets, but it had a great brand that we thought we could grow over time. Uh, it was in a very unique niche that we believed uh, that people would spend a lot of money for a good product. Uh, and so we decided to take the chance. Uh, and, uh, and we started to dive in right away. Uh, we bought the business in, in January of 09 and basically worked nonstop at it for the next 14 years. Um, in that process, as, as everybody knows, there's lots of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, day one, we were negotiating with suppliers to try to figure out what they were owed and how we could pay them. Uh, at the same time, we were out meeting customers and trying to figure out what products we had, what inventory we had, where. Uh, we had customers that were declaring bankruptcy. We were selling to Chrysler at the time, negotiating uh, how to come out of that. So it was the truly that idea of drinking from a fire hose on day one. Hmm. Uh, and I feel like that uh, that was about a two-year process uh, until it really felt like 
we fully understand the business uh, and we're making really strong business decisions that can be a foundation moving forward. Uh, but that first two years was truly survival mode. Uh, yeah. you know, every, everyone likes to go in with a, a plan on, on day one, but you know, then you get punched in the mouth and it changes pretty quick. And I think that's how that first couple of years were for everybody when we were going through that process. Yeah. How, uh, how did you source TMG, Craig? Uh, we actually, uh, uh I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was through a, a normal investment banking search. We had a, a contact who we had worked with in the past who uh, was made aware of it. Um, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that was high on our radar, um, but just relationships over and over and over again. We, we absolutely have tried in the past to use people on like a buy side advisory, but this wasn't that case. It was truly just a relationship with a person who was in the marketplace, who understood what we thought we could be successful with. Uh, and he just introduced us and said, I, I think you guys should take a look at this. Uh, and in all of our wisdom, we immediately said no, because uh, it didn't fit anything we were trying to do. Uh, and then it just came back about 30 days later, and that's when we started to take a hard look at it. Um, and then I think it we in December uh, of 2008, we actually had walked away from the deal. And I think on December 30th, we ramped it back up and got the deal done in the next nine days and owned the business on June 9th of 2009. Wow. Wow. And uh, may I ask how large of a business was it when you uh, first acquired it? Uh, yeah, when we first bought it, it was it had been bigger, but it was probably about, I want to say, seven uh, or eight million dollars. So just high single digits. Um uh, but it, it had been bigger than that. It was uh, you know, struggling with the 08, 09 time period, like many businesses did. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it had about 55 employees and that's what we were able to, to start with. Hmm. Excellent. Excellent. And so uh, you own that business for, did you say 14 years? Uh, 14 years at uh, all varied levels of success along the way. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was until uh, 20, so about 13 years uh, in change, I guess, in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, the, but just in speaking with you kind of off the air, so to speak, you, you kind of built it or you purchased it with the idea that you would successfully or hopefully successfully exit, we should say. So you always were looking to kind of build it with the end in mind. Fair enough. Uh, absolutely. There was, I think the easiest way to describe it is, uh, there was never a thought that, uh, any of my kids would be involved in the business. Right. That it was truly uh, an investment we were trying to build. Uh, and that's exactly what it was knowing when we went in that someday we would sell that business. Mm -hmm. And uh, was there a point in time where you said, hey, we're, we're ready to sell this? We're all aligned together in our thoughts for exit or how did that whole process go? And who did you work with there? You had outside investment banking representation. Walk us through those discussions? Yeah. So we always had a, a great team of accountants and lawyers, and their job was always to keep us appraised. Uh, and as we were going through it, frankly, it hadn't ever really come up that it was time. I think we always in the back of our mind, like anyone would look at what we thought the value would be. Uh, but we were having a ton of success uh, in, in some of our growth plans. It was a ton of fun, frankly, in the uh, I would say a ton of fun after we got through some of the 2020 uh, COVID issues. Uh, the business was really growing and it was fun to run with an incredible team. But I think a couple of things really brought it to light for us. One is we finally had a management team in place uh, in 
really that 2021 time period that after lots of iterations and lots of times, there were people that could run the business without my involvement. They were talented. Uh, they had demonstrated it, an incredible ability to understand the business and run it. Uh, they had been with us for a long time. And, and frankly, I was in their way of their next promotion. There were people who were ready to, to be in charge of a whole business. There were people who were ready to take that next step. Uh, and that gave us a lot of confidence that the business would be in good hands moving forward and that they would bring a lot of value through the process. So it was really in the fall of 22 that we started to talk to some investment bankers. Uh, we definitely felt like it was the right time for us to find some outside resources to help with that. We were experts at running businesses. We weren't experts at selling them. I definitely weren't experts at sourcing people who would want to buy it. And those were the folks that, that after about six or seven different conversations we had with people, uh, we met with one group uh, who were actually, uh, we, we called them for a reference on someone else. And they said, hey, we'd be really interested in talking to you about representing the business. And we had one meeting, there was an immediate connection. Uh, they had a plan that aligned with how we thought it could go. Uh, and they became just an integral partner for us. And I, I would tell you that without that investment banking group in there, uh, we never would have gotten the value for the business we got, and we never would have uh, probably been able to close the deal uh, and exit that business in the in the time frame that we did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you you shared with me that it was quite an accelerated timeline, and and we've talked, you know, so often uh, business owners may try to go it alone, but uh, shout out to all our investment banking friends out there. They do create competition. They have a proven process, and I, really I would also say along that line. Our partners stayed with us till the deal closed. Mm -hmm. uh, that is one of the differences, I think, of really excellent investment bankers and where you could still maybe sometimes they get a bad rep. But our team was with us till the, the last hours of that deal, pushing it across the finish line, helping us navigate some of the hurdles that always come up at the end. So we had an investment banking team, um, accountants and attorneys that worked incredibly well together. And yeah, I think absolutely I would encourage everyone to use professionals for this. You use a real estate agent to buy and sell a house. And this has just far greater consequences on your life and your one shot in many cases of doing this, uh, that you would absolutely use professionals to help you through this process. Yeah, well, that's good insight. That's good. Our guest today is Craig Coors. He's the founding partner of Velocity Capital Partners. Uh, this is the Finish Big Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Dorman. So Craig, let's turn the page. You now are running an organization called We Are The Ripple. I, of the name, uh, I noted when I uh, was preparing for the show, you've got ties to Africa. Tell us, tell us this story. And uh, this seems like a very unique, uh, you use the term mission-driven business. So what is We Are The Ripple all about? Uh, so Ryan and I, as, as we founded Velocity Capital Partners, uh, it really was intended to make some passive investments. Uh, in, in trying to find truly passionate business owners who we could support financially uh, as they were trying to execute growth, that they could uh, really find a way to take great ideas um, and passionate people to build a business that we could participate in with them. Where the ripple came from, uh, actually a young, uh, a young gentleman who was graduating college and had founded this brand, I would say, in his college dorm room. And we were introduced to him. Uh, we found out a little more about it and just fell in love with the concept that uh, if we can build truly strong 
for-profit businesses that they can create a, a strong, consistent level of charitable giving. Uh, and that's how we believe uh, that, that We Are The Ripple can really help do that, of using uh, the profits and the sales from We Are The Ripple to turn around and go support causes that are meaningful, that are meaningful uh, and support causes that are meaningful that we can uh, help successfully try to navigate through that idea of sustained giving. Uh, there's lots of people who have done this. I think We Are The Ripple for us is something where we understand that we can take an active role in this. Uh, we were too young to be retired, uh, but too old to start over. And uh, I think We Are The Ripple is, is a great opportunity for us to take some of the success we've had, some of the blessings we've been given and try to use those skills we built over time to do some good. Excellent. Excellent. So, and we can find this at wearetheripple.com. What, what are we likely to find there? I'm still a little bit unclear as to is personalized water bottles, but uh, what's the tie to Africa? Uh, so there is a local Cleveland based charity uh, called drink local drink tap that we've partnered with. And really the function here is the fact that there are just a remarkable number of communities and individuals, especially in the Africa regions that just don't have access to clean water. So something we take for granted every day is, is, is a basic human right uh, that's not available to these communities and, and, and in many cases, these children. Uh, without clean water, uh, they're unable to go to school. Uh, almost 50% of uh, global hospitalizations are to, due to unsanitary water sources. Uh, in many uh, many cases, these these students are, are choosing, and, and most of the time, young uh, the young girls are having to to choose to go find water from a an unsafe source to provide for their community, uh, which means they can't go to school, which means they can't take advantage of the opportunities that would come with that. So, in our partnership with Drink Local, Drink Tap. Uh, our goal is to provide funding for them to go create clean water access for these schools and communities, for these schools and communities that will allow uh, the opportunity for these students and these communities to, to get back to uh, school and get back to a situation where they can uh, take advantage of, of all of the basic needs that, that we have every day. So we sell uh, reusable water bottles. So think uh, tumblers, uh, some of the, the well-known brands like Hydroflask or Yeti, we have similar style water bottles. And most of the time where we tend to support is through businesses, small businesses that maybe want to give employees a gift where they'll uh, buy 25 or 50 water bottles, we'll etch the company logo on them, as well as the, the name and location of a community that, uh, that, that the water bottle supported the creation of clean water access. Uh, and so it's a great story for companies to share with their employees that not only are they getting a water bottle they use every day, but part of that is to really go help build a community uh, and do good in the world. Uh, and frankly, uh, it's we're just trying to make it easier for people to do good things that most of the time they want to do anyways. Yeah, we had a previous guest on the show. Uh, he's written a book called Mission Capital and Mission Driven Companies, where um, really uh, his name is Michael Carter. He's the CEO of Biz Equity. But uh aligns very much trying to run really good businesses with really good, I would say structure and, and a good giving that, Hey, it's, it's okay to make money and, and be good people as well. Right. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I had listened to that episode uh, and uh, it, it definitely came back across my mind many times as we've gone through this. 
and it is business is a, a great way for us to create again that idea of sustained giving. It's it's fantastic to give a, a gift once, but to be able to do it from a sustained standpoint uh, is truly you know how I believe we can make the greatest impact. Wow, this is great. This is great. Uh, so what's next for you, Craig? Uh, you're a young guy. How old are you now? I am 40. I'll actually be 45 uh, momentarily here in just a few days. Wow. Uh, so we uh, we are continuing to work through Velocity Capital Partners. Uh, we're always looking for uh, opportunities to invest. Uh, obviously, the space that we understand the best is investing in many cases with family businesses who are looking to grow. Uh, many times it is... Uh, a situation where there's a transition from one generation to the next, where maybe they're looking for how to structure that that transition and, and we can offer some help. Uh, we love business. Uh, I don't think we'll ever be done being in business, but uh, the way we do that uh, is to really just help others uh, have the experiences that we were so lucky to have had. And that's really where we, we see velocity and its unique ability to invest in, in those passionate owners and operators of businesses. And uh, just for our listeners, what size business? Is there any industry specificity or? No. And I think generally we are on a smaller scale. There are lots of private equity companies out there that will invest in massive companies or, you know, even mid-sized companies. Uh, I think from a, a direct investment standpoint, we tend to be looking at those uh, smaller businesses. Um, you know, we, we've done everything from zero to 25. I tell you that we have more fun and the smaller they are because it's a greater impact we can have with the people who want to go run it, um, want to be really excited or willing to put the work in because as every business owner knows, it's hard work um, and just really giving them the tools to be successful as they put that work in. Yeah, well, I mean, thank God for groups like Velocity Capital Partners and and uh, for you and your brother-in-law. There's so many in our travels, as you know, we are in the succession exit planning space quite knee deep in it. And there are so many baby boomers that don't have successor management in place. And, and, and yet they're supplying a number of jobs and economic growth for their communities. So it's groups like MISFUD that and Velocity Capital Partners now that can come out and say, hey, we'll, we'll provide you a soft landing, maybe inject a little bit of new life, new vision, uh, and, and, and keep, uh, keep the train moving down the tracks. Yeah, like I said, we just, most important thing is great teams. Uh, the, the most the most impactful thing that we ever did to be successful on our exit was trust that the people that were working for us were better than we were, hand them the reins and got out of their way. And uh, I think we're just looking for teams who, are, who just need that opportunity to do that. But uh, without the team that ran that business, we we wouldn't be having this conversation today. So just as we found those opportunities and we, we continue to look for ways to, to meet and work with great people, uh, which makes this a lot of fun for everyone. Wow, that's a good place to end. Craig Coors, my friend, thank you. Uh, my guest today has been Craig Coors, is uh, the founding partner, uh, one of the founding partners, along with Ryan Mifsud of the Velocity Capital Partners. Um, they've uh, purchased, developed, and exited a few businesses and are in some really cool spaces with some mission-driven capital-type business projects. So, uh, Craig, I appreciate it on behalf of uh, Finish Big and Bo Burlingham, myself, and our audience, uh, have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Mark Dorman. Here's to Finishing Big. We hope you enjoyed listening to Finish Big, the podcast with Mark Dorman from Legacy Business Advisors. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes are available. Learn more at LegacyBusinessAdvisors.com or call 330-350-5410. 
Please be aware the information in these podcasts represent the views and opinions of our guests and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of legacy business advisors. The content is for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax or legal advice. Always seek the advice of your legal or tax professional with any questions regarding your specific situation.